First Church Charlotte. All right, so let's get started. We are in we are in Mark chapter number 11 and we will be reading starting at verse number 1. And as I always say at the outset of reading the scripture with you guys, I love the word of the Lord. I love studying the word of the Lord. And it is uh, a privilege, a, a real privilege to be able to do it. To, it. Hopefully you have your Bibles open in your lap. We're starting at verse number one. Now, when they drew near Jerusalem to Bethphage and Bethany at the Mount of Olives, Jesus sent two of his disciples and he said to them, go into the village opposite you. And as soon as you have entered it, you will find a colt tied on which no one has sat. Loose it and bring it. And if anyone says to you, why are you doing this? Say the Lord has need of it. And immediately he will send it here. So they went their way and found the colt tied by the door outside the street, outside on the street, and they loosed it. For some of those who stood there said to them, what are you doing loosing the colt? They spoke to them just as Jesus had commanded. So they let them go. Then they brought the colt to Jesus and threw their clothes on it. And he sat on it. And many spread their clothes on the road and others cut down leafy branches from the trees and spread them on the road. Then those who went before and those who followed cried out saying, Hosanna. Blessed is he who comes in the name of the Lord. Blessed is the kingdom of our father David that comes in the name of the Lord. Hosanna in the highest. And Jesus went into Jerusalem and into the temple. So when he had looked around at all things, as the hour was already late, he went out to Bethany with the twelve. We are looking at this passage as a spiritual moment of prophetic fulfillment of biblical narrative and as spiritual life lesson for all of us. Anytime you approach any scripture of the Bible, it is more than just one level. It has more than just one context. It will speak in many ways connecting the past integrating the story of the church, the story of Jesus Christ, the story of prophets and priests and kings, and then it will speak prophetically to that which is to come. So we do not err when we intentionally read scripture seeking to understand the height, the depth, and the breadth of it, because there truly is tremendous, tremendous depth and breadth uh, to the word of the Lord. When I was reviewing this earlier, I thought of how many times I have, I have read this passage, whether in the book of Mark or in any of the other gospels, this image is told by all of the gospel writers. Um, whether I have read it in a gospel, whether I have sung about it, preached about it, we talk about Good Friday as a day of national, even international remembrance all across the Christian world. We celebrate this moment. How could I, how could I give the story to anyone who would listen to anything I said about anything? How could I give it to them with perhaps things they had not, they had not considered? Now, let me give you some of the ways that I, everyone has 
has to consider this. And firstly, it is this. Um, this is more than just popularity on the part of Jesus's story. This is more than just a moment of the crowds like him. He's done great things. The crowd is, you know, excited about a charismatic and spiritually powerful leader. That's not simply what's happening here. This is not just a popularity moment. Jesus has had many popularity moments where the Bible gives us some image of him slipping away, either with a sort of stealth or boarding a vessel and leaving the crowd. There's been many popularity moments, but Jesus has never allowed them to get to this point. This is Jesus not being self-effacing, not being humble, not speaking, don't tell anyone that this happened to you. This very much is him letting the moment live because it's more than just the story um, of him growing in favor with God and man. It's more than just the pause of fame that he often asks for when he tells people not to tell what he has done for them. This is a, a moment of symbolic covenantial fulfillment where he enters the city of peace, the city of God, fulfilling prophecy and standing as testimony to the people who would not receive him. Let me read Zechariah chapter nine, verse number nine. Behold, this is the King James. Behold, your king comes to you triumphant and victorious. He is humble and riding on an ass, on a colt, the foal of an ass. Uh, this is Zechariah. Now, what is unique about Zechariah? He's the last voice before 400 years of divine silence. And this is toward the end of his writing, not the end, but toward the end, where this is a, 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 a prophetic marker that is given by God to anyone who has ears to hear and eyes to see, your king will come. Yes, he's humble. He doesn't ride a stallion, but he comes as even so triumphant and victorious. That is why we call this triumphal entry. Um, it's not described so much that way by New Testament writers as it is described that way by Zechariah as a prophecy to be fulfilled. Uh, and so he, Jesus, enters this city and the people accept him as a messianic figure. Hosanna, Hosanna. Blessed is he who comes in the name of the Lord. That is Matthew 21 and 9. We read here, Hosanna, Hosanna. Uh, and they mention this, the kingdom of David in verse number 10. Blessed is the kingdom of David, our father, Notice, this is the same thing that blind Bartimaeus said. Jesus, Jesus, thou son of David. Now think about the influence. And I don't have time to get into this, but this will be a good message someday. Once you forgot, I told you about it, and I can pull it back out, and you can, and you can think that it was fresh again. <laughs> what blind Bartimaeus started, Jesus, Jesus, thou son of David, have mercy on me will swell into a whole uh, city of worship. And they'll be saying, blessed is the kingdom of our father, David. 
what blind Bartimaeus did through intense desire and powerful faith would have knock-on effects to all of Jerusalem. And they all will see Christ as Messiah, son of David. This is the high point, the apex. They will never be closer to the truth, the purpose, the divine plan of their Abrahamic covenant that was given to them all the way back at the founding of their their people. Uh, This is the high point. Um, Secondly, now that's something that everybody celebrates together. We know pretty well. Now let's talk about some things that aren't as well celebrated. Uh, Jesus is on a donkey. It is a statement of humility, yes. And Zechariah points that out, that he will come humble riding on a donkey. Um, But in the larger world of that time, a donkey symbolized peace, not war. Uh, He doesn't come on a war horse, excuse me. Mm, Excuse me, apologies. He doesn't come on a war horse. He comes on a donkey. Um, If leaders went to war, they rode horses. If they came in peace, they rode a donkey. It was symbolic. First Kings chapter one, verse number 33, Solomon is riding a donkey. Is that because he's not, he doesn't own any horses? Why is he riding a donkey? Is that because he can't afford a, you know, a stallion? I mean, come on. Why is he riding a donkey? Because he is recognized and received as the king of Israel and the people are accepting him. Therefore, he is riding a donkey as a statement of peace. He does not have to fight for this throne. Jesus on a donkey is a different kind of statement. He will not fight for this throne. He comes in peace. Other instances in the Bible of leaders riding donkeys that... um, are symbolic of peace and not war. Judges 5, Judges 10, Judges 12, 2 Samuel 16, and on and on and on. Zechariah 9 and 10, we read uh, earlier, um, but you could also, uh, in verse number 10, find the description of this king as righteous, having salvation, and gentle. Do you see? Um, He did not come in war. He came in uh, peace and the symbols of war are are very very important. Uh, here's verse ten of Zechariah: I will take away the chariots from Ephraim. Chariots, the main vehicle and the highest technology of their war plans of those generations. I will take away the chariots from Ephraim and the war horses from Jerusalem, and the battle bow will be broken. This king will proclaim peace to the nations. His rule will extend from sea to sea and from the river to the ends of the earth. He's taken away the chariot, the war horse, the battle bow will be broken. He's not coming to do war. He's coming to do peace. And so this uh, is a symbol of peace, good news for humanity, but it's also a symbol of sacrifice. Why? Isaiah, excuse me, Isaac on his way up to Mount Moriah to be a symbolic sacrifice is riding a donkey. And he, as a type of Christ, rides a donkey to be slain by his father on the altar. Do you see? Uh, The triumphal entry, Christ on a donkey, is a symbol of blessing. These are all lesser 
lesser images that are in the story that I want you to perceive the richness of scripture. Um, let me read Genesis 49, verse number 10 through 12. This is Jacob's uh, blessing over his son, Judah. Remember, Jesus is of the tribe, the tribe of uh, Judah. The scepter will not depart from Judah, nor the ruler's staff from between his feet until he to whom it belongs shall come and the obedience of the nation shall be his. He will tether his donkey to a vine, his colt to the choicest branch. Do you see? Uh, Jesus, born of the tribe of Judah, eternally enthroned by uh, the purposes of God and as victory over sin. All this is imaged in this moment. Now, let me point this out real quick, and I've got more to go, but I just want you to pause to appreciate the depth of the word of God. And if I do nothing else as a Bible teacher, if I can awaken in your heart a love for the beauty of God's word, uh, the beauty of the scripture will move you. It will change you. And I'd love to awaken within you a love for the beauty of God's word. Um, so these images show you the, the, the reach of the scripture um, and the hope of the scripture and the intertwining prophetic, historical, covenantial threads of the scripture that all should cause us to serve God with a sense of awe, not just a struggle for our faith, so to speak, but God has demonstrated, illustrated, and shown forth his great power, his great might, um, to, to all who will see it. Let's continue with some of the, uh, the images that are here. Um, in the Old Testament, uh, whenever you wanted to send gifts, um, you sent them on don donkeys. Jacob sent donkeys loaded with treasure to avoid the wrath of his brother in Genesis 33. Um, it's intentional. He sends donkeys, not camels donkeys loaded with gifts. It's symbolic of peace. Um, Abigail brought donkeys packed with food after um, that they were in a, a state of war and uh, she wants to save her family. So she sends to King David, Abigail, Abigail does, donkeys packed with food. Uh, Nabal, her husband, has angered the king. And so this woman kneels before David and says, uh, this is First Samuel, First Samuel chapter 25, verse number 26. And now, my Lord, as surely as the Lord your God lives and as you live, since the Lord has kept you from bloodshed and from avenging yourself with your own hands, may your enemies and all who are intent on harming my Lord be like Nabal. Uh, the point is she sends these, the gifts, the food on donkeys to show I have no desire to, to fight. I have no ill will toward you. There's no malevolence in my heart toward you. I seek good relationship with you. I seek a relationship of peace and uh, flourishing uh, between us. Uh, this is, again, the symbol of heaven to the sins of earth. You would think that we had rebelled against God. We had rejected him and what we deserved was a war horse. But that's not what we got. We got a donkey bearing the greatest gift we could ever receive, our Savior, 
Christ the Lord. Further, uh, there is another unique image in the scripture of, of a donkey, and that is found to us um, in Numbers chapter number 22, and it's the story of Balaam. The Lord opened the donkey's mouth, and the donkey said to Balaam, what have I done to you to make you beat me these three times? <laughs> and Balaam answered the donkey, you've made a fool of me. If only I had a sword in my hand, I would kill you right now. And the donkey said to Balaam, and I, am I not your own donkey, which you have always ridden to this day? Have I been in the habit of doing this to you? No, he said. Then the Lord opened Balaam's eyes and he saw the angel of the Lord standing in the road with a sword drawn. So he bowed low and fell face down. And the angel of the Lord asked him, why have you beaten your donkey these three times? I have come here to oppose you because your path is a reckless one uh, before me. The suffering servant that has been faithful, but is beaten again and again. Uh, the, the donkey that has been faithful and is beaten again and again and again. Same type of an image where the donkey actually is making you aware of judgment. I think one of the great things that um, Jesus Christ does to the believer is he's not just, not just our salvation, but he's a voice of how we can live better. Uh, he doesn't just teach us a doctrine of soterology, which is a theology of salvation. Sorry for the $5 word there. It just slipped out before I could catch myself. Um, he also gives us ethics and he gives us a way to live better, a way to uh, appease uh, people in our life with our desire for peace and our longing uh, to have uh, good relations with others. And so all of this is in the story. Um, and uh, the last image uh, that I want to I want to bring to your attention here that I think is beautiful and, and powerful. Um, and then we're going to apply some of these lessons to our lives. The last one is this. Uh, the donkey is universally known and celebrated as the burden bearer. And Jesus was born in humility and uh, a donkey carried his poor pregnant mother all the way from Nazareth to Bethlehem. And this, uh, uh, this theme and this image is all of the, he both starts and ends his life riding a donkey. And the donkey as burden bearer reminds us that Christ is our burden bearer. And it was appropriate for him to be introduced into the place where the temple is and the place where he's going to die among the people who he's dying for, yet the people who would not receive him. And here in this moment, in this powerful, powerful, uh, triumphal moment of the people reaching the apex of their spiritual insight. They're never going to be as, this is as high as their understanding is going to get, uh, at least in terms of just uh, the faith of the Jews. Later, there would be converted Jews. Later, there would be converted Pharisees even. In fact, a converted Pharisee wrote most of the New Testament. It's easy to forget that about the Apostle Paul. But in this moment, as far as the temple worship, this is as close as it's ever going to get to the people of Abraham's covenant, accepting Christ as their king. He comes as their burden bearer. He comes 
as the one who carries that which is not his. It's not our sins that he carries. He carries our sins. And so how can we look at a passage like this and then apply it, apply it to our our lives. Well, there's it's it's rich with application. It's rich with with insight. Um, I think some of the obvious things is to ask ourselves if we have proclaimed Christ as King in our life. Do we see Him as the Messiah, uh, or do we see Him as a religious figure? Now, in America, particularly in the South, uh, nearly everyone who you talk to, even if they don't go to church and even if they're not living as a believer, they in terms of where they come from and who they are, et cetera, et cetera, uh, they, are, they are believers, at least in label. And so there's that. Secondly, there is um, the reality that even though people say that, it's possible to live as a label Christian, but not let the Lord be Lord of your life. At, at some point, we need to declare to ourselves and to the world that uh, Jesus is our hope. Jesus is our confidence, our promise. We're made whole in him, um, and we have to live it as identity, not just in the byways of our life, but in the center of our life. We have to place Christ at the center of our life. Thirdly, we have to live as a worshiper. I want, I want to live as a worshiper. Now, Worship is something that is authentic to your your nature, your personality. Uh, worship is not performance. Um, whenever it is a performance, it is it is wrong because it's not worship. Um, worship is authentic to you. So, what is authentic worship to you? You may not be a runner. You might not be a shouter. You may be a crier. You might not be a crowder, a crier. <laughs> you might be a hand clapper. But what is authentic to you? You need to bring yourself into the presence of the Lord, and you need to focus all your attention uh, on Him. We do that on Sunday, which is our temple worship day. We meet together. Don't come distracted. Don't come focused on ninety-seven other things. It's the day of the week. We put God first. We worship. We exalt, we worship, we exalt. Let's be worshipers. The next application we can make is let's seek to be people of peace. Being a person of peace doesn't mean you don't have things you stand strongly upon and things you believe wholly in. It just means you understand where your authority begins and ends. And in your authority, you're going to live this way, but you don't have to be at war at your neighbor because they are unwilling to come under your authority. I hope that makes sense. Um, there's plenty of religious people who cause trouble, church hurt, division, and they're known for it um, because they only have one speed and by nature, they're most energetic when it comes to telling other people what to do. Um, let's not be those kind of people. Let's be people who we don't trot out the war horse every time we're uh, with someone who isn't like us or thinks like us. Um, we, we show up on a donkey, so to speak. We're here to bless. We're here to give gifts. And on and on we could go. There is no limit to the beauty and the power the power of the scripture. I want us to pray for a few moments here and I want us to apply these things to our heart in prayer. I've talked for about 25 minutes. That's enough. I've given you plenty of things to think about. I'd like us to take a few minutes now and I would like us to pray together. 
um, these themes of scripture into our spirit. So uh, wherever you are at, uh, you're welcome to, to, to join with me in prayer. And we're going to pray together. If any of you have any questions while we're praying, we can do uh, interactive. I'll be glad to answer any questions that you post. But I want us to take a few minutes here and I want us to pray these themes into our spirit, wherever you're at, if you're sitting with your family, if you're alone, um, pray with me. Um, you, you'll hear the themes of prayer as I go through them. Um, you're welcome to follow those themes of prayer. You're welcome to find your own. But let's, let's, let's spend a few moments together here before we rush back to our lives. Lord Jesus, we come to you today with uh, sincerity in our heart and acknowledgement that without you working in our life and on our behalf, um, our success in pursuing righteousness or truth uh, is basically impossible in the flesh. We must have within us uh, guidance of your spirit. We must have spiritual covering of our transgressions and errors. We are people filled with error. Uh, none of us are righteous, no, not one. We must have your touch in our lives, your power in our spirit, or we will only know struggle. We will not know victory. We will not go from faith to faith. We will struggle and wrestle and try to accomplish through strength of will and grit of personality what can only happen through the power of the Spirit. Lord Jesus, we have to be renewed on a regular basis by your presence. And I'm praying today that none of us would get comfortable living a life without your presence. I pray that we would not be comfortable living a life without your presence, but I pray that we would have upon us great zeal and hunger and longing as the deer pants after the water brook, so my soul after thee, O oh God. Uh, we pray together in this time of Bible study. We pray as a, a church. This isn't all of our church, but this is a lot of our core people. And I'm praying, Lord, a prayer of spiritual unity. I'm praying a prayer of corporate connection where we as people grow together in your way. We grow together in our, your direction and your spirit. Um, it's not enough for us just to have community. We want your kingdom to come among us. Now, first, it has to grow within us as a natural occurring process when we are transformed by your spirit. And we see that through the fruit of the spirit, uh, those naturally occurring things. You don't need, we don't need a special event to begin to produce the, the, the fruit of the spirit. It should be a naturally growing process within us as we focus on you or forgive us when we claim spirituality, but we don't have fruit of the spirit. Forgive us when we in some way exalt gifts of the spirit higher than fruit of the spirit because we are in some way attracted by culture or personality to that kind of thing and we crave the vanity of it or the power of it forgive us of that kind of error and put within us a, a heart to bask in your presence and have first the fruit of the spirit growing within us and if we can have that process that spiritual process of becoming working within us, then we will become the kind of people whom you can trust with spiritually powerful things. And out of that now grows the kingdom of God. Out of the change within us grows the kingdom of God. Uh, if we aren't changed, then we'll always see religion as self-serve. We'll see it as 
what's best for us. And so we'll always crave the table of the Lord because we want blessing. But we will eschew the field of the Lord because we don't want to give anything. We just want to receive. Uh, I'm praying that Lord First Church and C3, which is our sister congregation in Concord, I'm praying, Lord God, that, that we would live this out where first we are transformed in our hearts and in our lives by the fruit of the Spirit that begin to come to natural health and growth within us. And I pray, Lord Jesus, that out of that would come an opportunity for the kingdom of God to be manifest among us in our neighborhoods and our families. I'm praying today, Lord Jesus, that you would save us from the error of thinking we can be productive within the kingdom of God without having within us the fruit of the Spirit. I'm praying first for transformation of our heart and our mind, and then I'm praying for productivity within our anointing, our calling, our purpose. Lord, I pray that we would have a desire like King David, not to not to offer you something that cost us nothing, but to be moved in a desire to, to give, to serve, to, to be motivated in the fields of the Lord. Lord Jesus, I'm praying that our services when we come together would not show a bunch of religious people who need a blessing to make it through the week. God forbid. Nor show people who we need a touch so we can have emotional strength not to live a life of sin. But people who are aware that we are here to be empowered and strengthened and invested in that we might go into the fields of the Lord. Yes, we have a day at the table of the Lord, but we have six days in the fields of the Lord. And some of us do, we're quite good at the table, but we don't even know where to start in the fields of the Lord. And I'm praying that you would open our eyes and open our understanding, that we would live this out. Lord, I pray whatever revival it is your will for us to have, I pray we would have it. I pray it would start in me. I pray it would start in my family. I pray it would flow out through the pastoral team, through our leaders, into our opportunities of service, our small groups, our church events. Lord, I thank you for what you're doing in many ways. I thank you for the kickoff of uh, Celebrate Recovery, which was Monday night. And uh, the, I'm excited about what you're doing there. I'm excited about the strength going into our uh, brothers and sisters involved there and using that as a place of commitment. Lord, I thank you for what happens in the meetings during the week. I thank you for meeting with us in times like this, a Wednesday night Bible study where we grow together in the scripture. And I pray today, Lord Jesus, that our church would not be a victim of the rise in uh, faithlessness. And our church would not be a victim of this generational push away from church. I pray that we would buck the trends of our generation. And I pray that we would find the hungry hearts through your guidance. And I pray that we would see the miraculous. In Jesus' name, I pray. Let us be satisfied with anything less. We hunger after your anointing. In Jesus' name, we pray. Amen. God bless you all. We love you. Um, just so you will be reminded of what's happening. Uh, we have early prayer um, all five days of the week. So Thursday and Friday, we will have early prayer. You can go to the website and get the link for that. Um, Pastor Don has a uh, house-to-house small group tomorrow night that meets remotely. 
uh, and you can get the information on that off the website. Uh, small groups happen, ministries happen, all that happens Friday, Saturday, and Sunday. Um, we have two service opportunities on Sunday. We have 9, 15, and 11 in Charlotte. We have 2 p.m. in Concord. A lot of things are happening. A lot of people working for the kingdom of God. It would be better to have you a part of it. We love you. God bless you. Your mics are on. You can greet one another in the name of the Lord. Thank you for your prayers. Have a great week. We will see you Sunday. Thank you for listening to First Church Charlotte. If this podcast has blessed you, please rate it with four or five stars. By doing so, you will help others find our free podcast and bless them. If you're in the Charlotte, North Carolina area, come worship with us at 4929 North Sharon Amity Road. For information about service times, church ministries, and so much more, visit us online at firstchurchclt.com. If you would like to help support our efforts, please text GIVE to 704-445-5353. We pray God's richest blessings to you. Come worship with us.